Welcome to the weekly edition of ESG Now, where we cover how the environment, our society, and corporate governance affects and is affected by our economy. I'm your host, Mike DiCibato, and this week, Julia Jaguerre Morello, our lead healthcare analyst, joins me to discuss the 2019 report on antibiotic-resistant threats authored by the Center for Disease Control. And then Mario Lopez Acala, who leads our research on Latin America, joins me to give us a quick take on deforestation. Also, before we begin, just a quick note, we are taking next week off for the U.S. holiday, so I will talk to you in two weeks. Anyway, thanks for joining us as always. Stay tuned. All right, Julia, so we have this report out by the CDC that goes into the threat posed by antibiotic resistance, which is the ability of germs to defeat the drugs designed to kill them. And the CDC calls it one of the greatest global public health challenges of our time because basically without antibiotics, we're all screwed. And this is usually when I would give you all the stack card. But today, I think this issue is beyond one single company. It's affecting our entire world, society and economy. So perhaps Julia, I will let you jump in here because you and our colleague Orly are finishing up a report on how antibiotic resistance is going to affect investors. And you just got done giving a presentation on the subject. And I think it would be great if you frame the problem for everyone out there that hasn't been paying attention to the antibiotic resistance movement? It's actually, um, you know, it's, it's quite scary when you think about it because common infections, say if you, you know, go to the hospital or, you know, you get a, a foot blister, um, they can't be treated, right? And that's actually putting us back into time. One of, our, one of the U.S. presidents, actually, his, his son died of a foot blister um, from a tennis match. And that's at the point where we didn't have antibiotics at that point in time. Now, you know, fast forward... 100 years later, um, we almost are, I don't want to say back at that time, but we are in a public health crisis where exactly like you said, the antibiotics that are on the market simply aren't working anymore. That's fascinating. First, I did not know there was a president that had a son die from a foot blister. And I did not know that you could die from a foot blister at that point. That is horrifying. I think everyone's had a foot blister in their life. Uh, Aside from that, Hor, do you have any uh, information on what this might do to our economy financially, how it might affect investors? Is there any consensus around that on the possible societal costs we might be walking toward? It's really about um, antibiotic resistance just massively eating into, into growth. Um, and by that, I mean there's really two components. Firstly is the human cost. So antimicrobial um, resistance is actually it's expected to kill 10 million people um, by 2050, right? So that's a huge, huge number. It's more than cancer and diabetes today. Um, and that's one person every three seconds. So um, there's, there's that human toll aspect. The second oh, is that the total GDP loss is expected to be $100.2 trillion by 2050. There are estimates, the World Bank has estimated that antimicrobial resistance also by 2050 could have um, an impact um, as impactful as the 2008-2009 financial crisis. Oh, my God. Just for everybody paying attention at home, that's 10 million deaths per year by 2050, which is just a staggering number. But there was 
two interesting things about the report that I want to note. First, the CDC issued a correction to their 2013 version, which updated a lot of the data and gave us all a better picture of the problem. And they were able to do this because they had access to data on millions of patients from around 700 hospitals, where previously they only had 180 hospitals because there's the growth of electronic data collection in the healthcare industry, which the benefit to this actually subverts the angle we usually take on this podcast, that big data is an issue, that collecting information on us is usually used for advertising and useless but invasive surveillance. However, in this case, where the data collection was beneficial to the CDC, it kind of reminds me of the last time you were on the podcast and we were talking about Fitbit partnering with the Singaporean government to provide better healthcare solutions. And I was kind of freaking out because governments and data is kind of freaky, but you noted, no, this partnership could actually improve health outcomes for at-risk populations. And there was another interesting thing in the CDC report uh, for investors. It's that companies are actually getting out of the antibiotic business altogether. There's two stats I want to read. Between 1962 and the year 2000, there were no new major classes of antibiotics approved to treat deadly and common superbacteria like gram-negative infections that cause problems like pneumonia. And since 1990, 78% of major drug companies have scaled back or cut antibiotic research due to development challenges. So, Julia, what's, what's the deal with this? This is a huge problem our society is facing, but no one wants in on the challenge. Well, just because there's, it's very simple. There's no money in it. Um, so a lot of the companies, larger companies, aren't, aren't addressing antibiotic resistance, and that's purely just because it's a market failure. It's not like a chronic disease. It's not like cancer where you're, you know, you're on... Um, you're on treatments for years and years and years. So it actually takes companies 23 years on average to recoup any profits from antibiotics. And that's first because the pricing is really low compared to, for example, cancer drugs or what we call orphan drugs, which are treated, um, which are used to treat a small, very small group of people for very um, generally rare, generally genetic diseases. And the other factor is the antibiotics, you just take them so for such a short amount of time, maybe, you know, a couple days, maybe a week. So companies just can't recoup their profits. But in terms of just market dynamics, the problem is the pricing. Um, And there was a a third-party research provider that just looked at the the pricing of an antibiotic, and it's $2 per novel antibiotic versus something upwards of $800 or $900 for, um, for an orphan drug. The solver is really one where the pricing needs to be aligned to encourage companies um, to develop new drugs. So it can come from the incentive side, um, and then it can also come from the pricing side. But, but if these companies get more cash for the development of antibiotics, won't that mean there are more antibiotics? And, and isn't the whole problem we have because of the proliferation of antibiotics in our society? It's human use. I mean, they're going to be tightly restricted. 
um, once they hit the market. It's not about bringing antibiotics. It's not a bad thing to bring antibiotics to the market. It's about overuse, and that's where you get into the regulatory aspect also on the agricultural side. Um, and that's where we're finding that the risks are because 70% of antibiotics globally are really used in the agriculture in industry, and those are antibiotics for which there are medically approved human uses. So that's really where the frontline regulatory risks are residing is with those agriculture and meat companies, and they're using these antibiotics as growth promoters. But regulators are already sitting up and, and kind of paying attention to the issue, so we're seeing a quite swift regulatory response um, really globally all around the world. The regulations are, are certainly targeting those meat companies such as JBS, which of course is one of the largest um, uh, packaged food and, and meat providers in the world. Okay, so agriculture companies are at risk because they keep using low doses of antibiotics in their uh, animal husbandry, which then gets into us and the water supply and everything, and it builds superbugs, and we're just totally screwed. And, and this is our society now. But is there anyone out there that is tackling the problem that not only will save us but will be beneficial for investors to look at who maybe want to participate in this uh, dystopia or maybe want to participate in the chance for humans to overcome nature? And look, I know I'm being hyperbolic in these moments, but, and I know none of this is certain, and who knows how this is going to play out, but just give me something. Give me something to hang on to. There are about... Um you know, 35 plus companies that have antibiotics in their pipeline. Um, and what we did is we looked at known um, success rates of different antibiotics in terms of when they will be completing um, their clinical trials and at different stages of success. So there are a handful of companies um, that, that have what we call novel or completely new antibiotics in the pipeline. Um, a couple companies, uh, Nabriva, uh, GSK um, is another company, Summit, W Farm. So those are a handful of names that we've looked at, and those are companies that are really, you know, they have novel compounds in the pipeline, um, and they're in the game. So when this economic and public health crisis, you know, when it just is deteriorate, deteriorating as it is now, and that's what the CDC report is really getting at, those companies will be on the front line in terms of success. The Brazilian government just came out with a report that showed the Amazon rainforest lost an area of about 12 times the size of New York City from August 2018 through July of this year. Earlier this year, massive forest fires garnered the attention of the world, and it's just been chaotic for the region in terms of deforestation for a long time. And Mario Lopez Acala has been studying this issue intensively, so I want him to come on and give us a quick take on how the issue is playing out and what investors should be looking for. I've, I, I found that the biggest impact of these fires of investors could be a change in policies that reflect the preferences of, of, of consumers. Who is going to be affected by those policies. Deforestation is such a complex social and political uh, matter uh, that implies, you know, land tenancy, uh, on em employment, etc. But at the end of the day, the ones that are going to be deciding on deforestation are the uh, on deforestation due to 
agricultural conversion to, to plant soy or cattle ranching are the markets that are buying that soy and that beef. And these markets are uh, China and the European Union, and both of them have explicitly said that they would prefer a deforestation-free supply chain and are, and are working towards that. But there are a number of companies operating in the region that did not try to meet that demand. Yes, so there are a couple of, uh, uh, so there are like six companies in, in particular that we highlighted as the key ones that are not, uh, um, that are not moving towards that deforestation free supply chain. For soy is Bungie, Cargill, and Archer Daniels Midland or ADM, and for beef is JBS, Marfrig, and Minerva. All right, that's it for the week. I want to thank Julia and Mario for joining me to discuss this week's news with an ESG twist. I want to thank Megan and Rick for reviewing the podcast and especially you for listening. Thanks so much. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to rate and review us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you in two weeks. Have a great holiday. MSCI ESG Research podcast is provided by MSCI Inc.'s subsidiary, MSCI ESG Research LLC, a registered investment advisor under the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. And this recording and data mentioned herein has not been submitted to and or received approval from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any other regulatory body. The analysis discussed should not be taken as an indication or guarantee of any future performance, analysis, forecast, or prediction. The information contained in this recording is not for reproduction in whole or in part without prior written permission from MSCI ESG Research. None of the discussion or analysis put forth in this recording constitutes an offer to buy or sell or a promotional recommendation of any security, financial instrument, or product or trading strategy. Further, none of the information is intended to constitute investment advice or recommendation to make or refrain from making any kind of investment decision and may not be relied on as such. The information provided here is as is, and the user of the information assumes the entire risk of any use it may make or permit to be made of the information. Thank you.